Chet Richards wrote an interesting article titled Boyd's Oodle Loop, parentheses, It's Not What You Think. And in this article, Richards dives into what he believes Boyd's Oodle Loop is and how people have been misinterpreting it. And the article was really impactful on me because I think I was also misinterpreting the Oodle Loop. Boyd's Oodle Loop is this cycle of Observing where you are, orienting where you are among other things, deciding what your options are, and then choosing an option and acting. And that's the OODA loop. And I had thought that the OODA loop was something that you went through quickly. If you could cycle through it, if you could just make your revolutions faster through that, you would do better than your adversary. But what what Chet Richards makes the case for is that the OODA loop is different than that. And he starts off pointing out that if you're in a cycle where one step always follows the next step, the O follows the other O, followed by the D, followed by the A, then then your opponent can predict where you're going to be. And you definitely don't want to be predictable when it comes to making decisions. You also don't want to follow any sort of dogma. You don't want to be beholden to any set theory and not be able to adjust. Richards says that Boyd would often say in a presentation, quote, if you're going to regard this stuff as dogma, it's going to keep you from thinking, end quote. So we need to have a flexible mindset. And uh, Boyd called this intuitive competence. So if you're going to use the OODA loop as a framework, you need to have intuitive competence when making your decisions. And Richard explains this. He says, you need to be like a cat playing with a mouse. You need to be able to be one step ahead of your opponent no matter where you are. And that doesn't come from following the OODA loop precisely. It's not like following a recipe. It's more like opening up the kitchen cupboard and making something based on what you have. To start, you have to orient yourself and you have to get the what Richards calls the brutal facts. And you have to be very, very clear about where you are. What are your personal strengths? What are the organization's strengths? What are your opponent's strengths and weaknesses? And if you can get this very strong, accurate orientation of where you are, then you can start to lay out what your options are. Richard says that Boyd um, used the analogy of Chang and Chi. This idea of have actions that confirm to your adversary's expectations. Do what they think you're going to do. That's the Chang part of it, but then the Chi part is springing the trap. So I know you're going to do this and oh, oh, this other thing happened that I didn't expect. When he wrote this, I remembered what it was like to be an athlete in high school and then an intramural athlete in college. And Athletes are really good about doing something their opponent thinks and then changing, making, making a different choice at, at the end, at the last moment, and getting a different outcome. Uh, becoming open on a playing field or being able to score a basket because you lead one direction and then you spring the trap. Part of this is having a tempo and a sureness to your actions. Usually we think that speed is good. The faster you can do something, the better. But Richards writes that it's not always speed you want. It's more of a sureness of step and a tempo, 
a pace that you move through this decision-making process. Richards quotes Miyamoto Musashi and wrote, quote, The movements of a master of a path do not appear unduly fast, end quote. It's this idea that you know what you're doing, you know where you are, you know where you're going, you know what you want. And all of that comes back to this orientation, to get the brutal facts, to be very clear about the situation. And then starting to move to a solution and to set up this Chang and Chi dynamic where your opponent believes you'll do this, where you're actually going to do this. Eventually, this can become automatic. This can be faster. This doesn't have to be a step-by-step sequence. It doesn't have to follow a checklist. In fact, it's better if it's not, as we started this episode thinking about if you have this checklist, if you have this structure and you're predictable, then that can give you certain weaknesses. So Richards calls this implicit guidance and control, that we have this automatic response for each situation. But he points out that we're not always great about figuring out these automatic tendencies. We have confirmation bias. We have this thing that Boyd called incestuous amplification. We don't always have this objective view with all the facts because of all these other situations. So we can develop tools for this. We can have a theory. We can have a best guess for what the actions are, but then, but then we test it. We have to see, does this thing that works in the lab also survive in the real real world? Do we get desired results? And there's no ex post facto justifications here. If something doesn't work the way that you predicted it would work, you can look at it and you can figure out why it didn't work, but you don't get to justify it as having the outcome that you desired. It may have, it may have happened thanks to luck or some variables you didn't accurately predict would matter, But you have to identify that. You have to be objective. You have to get to those brutal facts. And you learn this by doing. You learn this by taking seriously after-action reports. You aim for this this fingertip feel. There's this great German word, fingerspitzingfugel, which I'm sure I butchered just now. But it's this idea that that's how well you understand something. You have this almost intimate familiarity with it. And that gets back to where we started, that there are these brutal facts that you have to get during the orientation and observation phase. You have to know who you are, and you have to know where you are. And that requires an attitude. It requires a spirit. For organizations, it requires a, a culture that you create, that you're willing to take this stuff seriously. Richard says that you can use your HR department for this, something that human resources can really step up and lead and maybe fill a larger role in your organization than what traditionally HR departments are willing to do. Richards has a website, slightlyeastofnew.com, where he posts some other papers. And he also has a book out where if you searched Amazon or wherever you get your books for Chet Richards, it would certainly come up. This has been a different episode. Normally, podcast episodes are a number of big ideas strung together in one episode, and I wanted to see if just individual episodes of those shorter ideas uh, would stand on their own. So if you like this or didn't like this, you can certainly let me know. 
Thanks for listening.